You see, back in the 1930s, there was a sensational story about a battleship that came into the crosshairs on the radar with another ship that would not yield its course. It was, the legend was USS Missouri. And the USS Missouri radio man would get on and say, you must change your course 20 degrees north. We beseech you, we command you. Finally, the commander of the fleet got on, announced who he was and says, I am the captain of the second greatest military machine in the U.S. government. We command that you steer clear, turn 20 degrees north. Well, then a private first class got on the radio and said, sir, I am but a private first class, but I am the lighthouse keeper. I suggest that you change course 20 degrees south. (laughs) It was a battle against wits and strength And of course, the lighthouse won out. What we found out, though, if you Google that, you'll see that the United States Navy has said that is a urban myth. It's a great story, though. It's almost like a parable. Two things, though, we can take from it. I'll tell you that in just a moment. Will you pray with me? Oh, Lord, thank you for bringing us to the foot of the cross today, Lord. Thank you for the Sabbath. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for parables. Thank you for those lessons, Lord, that we can learn how to adjust our course. Lord, will you just meet us here where we need you desperately? And Lord, may we leave this place, this house of worship, different. And may we experience you today. And I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. You see, two things we can take from the story of the battleship versus the lighthouse. One, that was urban myth. Today's message is called the cost of the Sabbath. Often, I think many of us think it's an urban myth, the Sabbath. Yeah, it's a Ten Commandments. Yeah, it's talked about. But you know what? I don't have time for it. And the second thing we can take from that story is the lighthouse. The lighthouse guided those sailors by night. And by day, it was amazing, an amazing beacon of hope. Well, my name is Kevin Cross. Uh, I'm the care and connections pastor here at Fellowship Bible Church. And uh, they said it would be a chilly day in October before I'd preach again. <laughs> was it nippy this morning? <laughs> Boom. No, but they said, we had enough wins that you could come in, and we didn't even have to win this game. We'll still make it to the playoffs. (laughs) No, they didn't say that. Crawford was so excited um, that he'd not be here to hear this. (laughs) The cost of the Sabbath. Okay, so I know what some of you are thinking right now. Your message is going to be on the cost of the Sabbath. What do you know about the Sabbath? Well, I can tell you this, if you Google the Sabbath, you'll get 43,700,000 hits in less than a second on the Sabbath, and several books and articles that are too numerous to count. And then you might say, and they're all written by theologians, none written by a CPA, and that is correct. However, this past week, 
We are celebrating the 86th anniversary of sentencing Al Scarface Capone to prison. Now you might say, what does that have to do with the Sabbath? Well, Elliot Ness and all of the FBI agents spent two years trying to bring down Al Capone. And it took one lowly Frank Wilson. Do you know that name? He's a no-name. He was a forensic accountant. And he brought down the great Al Capone. Well, my background is in forensic accounting, number one. And second, I was going to say I stayed at a Holiday Inn. I won't say that. (laughs) The second credibility I have for those of you who are left brains and still sitting like this is this summer I took a Sabbath. I mean, a sabbatical. (laughs) And uh, I read a great book by Dan Allender called The Sabbath, and I decided that I wanted to find out more about this. And and while I was on my sabbatical, I took a little DNA test. You know, 23andMe? I want to find out about my heritage. So I had a coupon, and so I'm I'm a good financial planner. (laughs) So I used a $20 coupon, and I found out I'm Jewish. Yeah, my grandfather is 100% Jewish. And so I'm, of course, not as much, but I figure I'm a forensic accountant and I'm Jewish. So can I weigh into the Sabbath? (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, if you have your Bibles with you, open, if you will, to Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. And we will be stunned by what the Word of God has to offer us today. Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 through 3, if you have your device with you. Uh, Just ask Siri to find it. I don't have to turn any longer. Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. We've read that probably hundreds of times. And you might say, there's nothing more to get out of that. Oh my goodness, we have the trifecta in this passage. And we have so much. As a matter of fact, you can even see the Trinity in this passage. Blessed. So God blessed the seventh day. The greatest of all blessings brought to us was through his son, Jesus Christ. The greatest of all gifts. Holy, make it holy. Holy God. Those angels in Isaiah 6 covering their eyes, saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. And then rest. Oh, what happens when we accept Jesus as our Savior? The Holy Spirit rests inside of us. There is something here that is truly magical. And we're going to unpack this in a moment, but but I have to teach you uh, a Jewish word, a Hebrew word. I see since I became Jewish, not long ago, (laughs) I didn't convert, you know, it's through genealogy, Um, I've been learning Hebrew words, and the first one I learned was what rest means. That word rest in Genesis chapter 2, verse 3, means menuha, menuha. Menuha is a beautiful word because menuha is the Hebrew word for rest. It's better translated into this, joyous repose, tranquility, delight. When was the last time you had a Sabbath that was just like that? As a matter of fact, delight does not seem like Sabbath. And so as a good CPA, I decided I would send out a survey to my most spiritual people in my life. And so I picked 60 of the most spiritual people on the planet 
It's the people I work with and the elders. I figure I go right to the top. And I sent them a survey of four questions. And this is what I asked them. What would you do in a 24-hour period of time if the only criteria was to pursue your deepest joy? What would you do if all you could do in one full day is pursue your deepest joy? Well, 78%. Now, I sent it out to 60 people. I got about half back. Now, if you're in bean counting, that's a great random sample, by the way. You can't get a sample 50%, okay? Just in case, if you're a student, that's free today. I got 50% of the people responded. 78% says we would go outside and enjoy nature. 63% said we would spend time with family and friends and eat. Wow, isn't that great? Eating? It's not just the foodie thing. I'm going to make a case that I believe God has created that hardwired us to eat and to have fun with friends. I love this one. One person of everyone who responded said they'd go to church on the Sabbath. One of my most spiritual friends, it was probably Crawford. <laughs> the rest of us are knuckleheads. No, no, it, it's because I, I believe that the way we feel about the Sabbath and the way we feel about delight are two different things. The second question I asked was this, what would you think would be a typical Sabbath day? What do you think would be a typical Sabbath day? I ask you that same question. Only 11% instead of 78% said they would go outside and have fun. Isn't that amazing? 26% says um, we would have time with friends and family and eat. Down from 63%. You see the polar opposite. A whopping 30% said we'd go to church. So they're saying if I had a day of complete sheer delight... I would do these things, and if I had a typical day of Sabbath, I would do, well, these things. Wow, that's pretty revealing, isn't it? And then I said this question, what would your Sabbath look like to your inner child? What if you were 12 years old? What would your Sabbath look like? So yesterday, I did a live poll. I took these kids from 12 to 17, and I said, what would you do if you had a full day of doing whatever you felt like? And you know what they said? Go to church. No, I'm lying. I'm absolutely lying. Before I get struck by lightning, Lord, it was just a joke. Not one of them said go to church. Why is that? Is it, is it our fault? Is it the kids' fault? Is it the parents' fault? Is it my fault because it was one of my kids? <laughs> You see, I, I, I'm not sure if we understand what the Sabbath is. And my last question was, how often do you take a Sabbath? 55% of my respondents said, we take a Sabbath less than once a year. These are the spiritual people. Okay, so after my sabbatical, I decided I would take my first Sabbath of my life. Did I just admit that? Just erase that from your memory. Apologize, I mind trick. You didn't hear that. Okay, so yeah, on Sunday, sometimes I go home and I have a good meal, and I take a nap sometimes, or I just collapse. Uh, but doth that a Sabbath make? Because it sounds like in Genesis chapter 2 that he created an entire day. He blessed a day. He made it holy because he rested the entire day. My Sabbaths are like 
Do you remember that concentrated orange juice from the 1970s and the little thing? Remember you mix it with like a three gallons of water? My Sabbath is condensed like this. And the more I can compact down in one hour of my Sabbath, then I did it. And then I can move on because we're overachievers, aren't we? We got things to do. And so I tried to take my first Sabbath a couple weeks ago, full Sabbath. Guess what happened? Uh, It was miserable. I decided I would do something constructive with my time because I was was torn. The, The Sabbath was taking me to, oh, I need to memorize God's word the entire Bible. I got to walk on my knees and go do something, something. I don't know why I'm so twisted in this area of the Sabbath. But if you're like me, there is a disconnect. But that word menuha is a day, according to this poet, Dan Allender, is a day where we enter a dance with God and others and experience a beauty that takes our breath away. You imagine the Sabbath being a day that takes your breath away? When was the last time your breath was taken away at church? Now, I know what you're thinking. If I let you out early, you're going to be breathless, right? (laughs) That's not what I'm talking about. It's almost, it's water and oil. But before I give you my points, I I want to appeal to the left brainers. The left brainers want to know this. Why the Sabbath? Well, if you turn with me in your Bibles a little further to 1 Kings chapter 19, I want to read something to you. It's a familiar passage. It was the time when Elijah had just finished an amazing victory, and he was hungry, and he was tired, and he was scared, and a lot of things were happening, and he got some bad emails that people were after him, and that he might lose his job and maybe even lose his life. And so on the heels of victory, Satan is very, very good at just tackling us. And so we find ourselves here in First Kings chapter 19. Let's start with verse 11. And he said, God said to Elijah, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke the pieces of rock before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. How many times have you been in the wind? Your your whole day is like the wind. It's like you're blowing from one thing to the next. And after the wind, an earthquake. Maybe this is where you live. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. Maybe you're a mom and you move from one fire to the next. Can you relate? That's all life is. And after the earthquake of fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. If you have your Bibles and you haven't underlined this, this is the only place in Scripture that the Hebrew word that we translate low whisper, it's a combination of three words. I'll teach you another Hebrew word today. I'm on a roll. It's kol damama deka. Kol damama deka. Only appears one time in Scripture, right here. It means still, thin, small voice. Even in English, it doesn't make sense yet. But in Hebrew, it is that moment when a mama holds her baby for the first time and she pulls it up to her chest. 
And it's that moment that she feels the heartbeat. And she breathes in that little child. And it's a breathless moment. That is the only place in scripture. But I believe this. God wants to give us a Cole de Mama de Ka moment every single week. How do I know this? Going back to Genesis chapter two, you'll see that he set apart this day. But if you travel a little further to Genesis chapter three, verse eight, you're gonna stumble upon God's own words saying he walked with Adam and Eve in the garden, in the twilight, in the coolness of the day. Now I ask you this, every single day theologians believe that God walked with Adam and Eve. You remember what Adam and Eve were doing? They were probably naming the fruit. I'll name that one uh, kiwi. I'll name that one watermelon. I'll name that animal. So every night, God probably said, how did it go today, Adam? How did it go, Eve? Well, I had this watermelon. I ate the whole thing. Man, I'm full. I mean, it's, I can't eat another thing. Probably asked Eve, what did you have? I had, the, I had this, this amazing thing called ice cream fruit. It was chocolate. It was amazing. I love that tree. So who knows what was in the garden? But every Saturday before this, God had already said, we're going to take a Sabbath. Isn't that interesting? And so I want to make a case for you left-brainers. The Sabbath is holy and set apart by God as a gift because it happened in the garden. It happened in the garden. You remember in Exodus, we handed, God handed down the Ten Commandments. You know what the longest of the commandment is? Observe the Sabbath. Keep it holy. But most of us look at the Ten Commandments as we needed the Ten Commandments because we failed. But the Sabbath preceded the Ten Commandments. The, te- the, the Sabbath was actually in the garden before anybody did anything wrong. Isn't that amazing? And last, there's only one time in Scripture, it's in Nehemiah, that the Sabbath was not observed. Uh, years ago, I, I was doing some research in, in this book, Nehemiah, and I studied it for two years because I wanted, to, I wanted to call all the financial principles from it, right? But what I found is that they worked with a, a shovel in one hand and a, uh, a weapon in the other for 52 days until the entire wall was built. You're familiar with the story But for those 52 days, it's the only place in all of Scripture where they didn't observe the Sabbath. And how do we know this? Because later on in Nehemiah, Nehemiah would actually um, attack people. Let me me tell you. um, Let me read to you. They were also bringing in grain, loading it on donkeys on the Sabbath, and bringing in their wine, their grapes and figs, and all sorts of produce. So I rebuked them for selling their produce on this day. You see, Nehemiah knew this was just a season of not having a Sabbath, but we got to go back to it because we desperately need it. Okay, so let me go to the right-brainers. The Sabbath is a time for delight. The Sabbath is a breathtaking encounter with God's delight. You might say, how do you know this? That's where the cold de mama de calm moment comes in. You see, we're never going to know this moment with God unless we're able to take it with him. Now, now I have a confession. I've been a professional Christian for a while, so on Sundays, guess what I do? This is game day. This is Super Bowl Sunday. 
People are coming in, they don't know Jesus, or they're hurting, and guess what? I'm vigilant. I'm like all over that. Somebody says, Kevin, Kevin, out there, there's a riot. Go, go get it. Boom. I'm like a hunting dog. That's what I do on Sunday. I love that. But I ask you this, it's not a moment that is a Sabbath according to what I'm reading. And so I took a page out of my brother's playbook, the Jews, and now I took a Sabbath on Saturday. Not out of religion, not out of duty, but I figured Sunday is too condensed. Why don't I take it another day? And so I took my first one, like I said, not long ago. And yesterday, as I tried to observe the Sabbath, it was this moment where I could actually practice menuha. Let me read to you more about what menuha feels like. To the biblical mind, it's the same as happiness and stillness, as peace and harmony. It's a state in which there's no strife, no fighting, no fear, no distrust. You see, the Sabbath is different than Sunday for me. When I come to church on Sunday, it is, it's different because often God's word points to my heart and says, Kevin, what you're doing is not really right. You got to make some changes. The Sabbath is not about that. It's about God saying, I want to take you up to that ridge and I want to introduce you to things you've never seen and I want to celebrate the amazing moments of delight. The Sabbath is also a day of play, a Sabbath play. I'm going to show you something that's going to be very, um, uh, it might be startling to some of you. You see, a few months ago, uh, we needed more uh, people to, uh, to, to pitch in because we had like 600 children here in children's ministry. So they got on the PA and they did an APB and they said, all hands on deck. And so that means I have to be there. And I'm like, okay, what do you want me to do? We need some teachers for Learning Center. So I hang out with this guy named Daryl. He's a great guy. I love him. He makes me look good. He's a football player. He's like 230 pounds, full muscles, half my age. So I feel good hanging around him. And we volunteered for this class. And he says, I don't know. I don't, I don't really hang with kids too often. Well, do we have a photo of Daryl? Um, it's disturbing. So I just... Yeah, it's very disturbing. Okay, okay, this man is underneath the pile. Now, he's a football player. He's a star football player for Lasseter 10 years ago, and he can't breathe. This man can't breathe. If you could see the grimace of it on his face, and I almost had to pull all the kids off him. He had about 150 pounds of kids on him. That's like 300 pounds in real life. And so afterwards, I said, I said, Daryl, you okay? And he said, I said, you couldn't breathe. He said, Kevin, I couldn't breathe because I was laughing so hard. He said, this was the best Sunday I've ever had. You imagine somebody laughing and saying it's the best Sunday they've ever had? There's something wrong with that boy. He encountered a Sabbath play. He put aside work. And this is what God wants to do. He wants to tease our hunger to know more about the glory of God. Listen, this is what it did. When he was under that pile afterwards, he said to me, and he, he was wearing this, these expensive jeans and expensive shirt. He had no idea he'd be in the playground with kids stamping, stomping on him. And he's brushing himself off, and he said, man, I want to do that next week. Isn't that amazing? That Sabbath play. But 
but there's also Sabbath freedom. And that is really where I want to camp today. The Sabbath freedom is something very different. I think maybe if we reach our inner child, we can play. And maybe we can reach in and say, God, you want me to have some delight? And some people repel delight. But Sabbath freedom, this is where we hardly go. The Sabbath does not deny that death exists. Instead, it celebrates life. It pretends that death has no power to contort joy or disfigure love. It risks the foolishness of childlike faith to overcome the bully that seeks at every moment to ruin play and malign joy. You see, we live in the valley of the shadow of death, don't we? And I believe this, that those six days have enough problems. Just this last week, my friend had to say goodbye to his granddaughter. Another very good friend was in the ER when he came out, he got a text from uh, a relative that his niece had just committed suicide. And in that 24-hour period, he put his great Pyrenees dog to sleep. We live in the shadow of death without a moment of being able to say, I need God to restore my soul. Like Psalm 23. Sometimes I'm... I'm, I'm I still can't believe I've never noticed this before. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Sometimes he has to force us to have fun. Sometimes he has to make us, pull us out of the shadow of death so we can feel his presence. And I can't believe it didn't dawn on me until I did this study of the Sabbath that the, the, probably the most memorable passage in the Old Testament, Psalm 23, has those words, he maketh me. Do you know what that means, he maketh me? He forces me to have fun. He forces me to be healthy. He forces me to be embraced by him. And it's unlike vacation. How many times have you been on vacation and the last day of vacation, you get the blues? Ever had the blues on vacation? Every time I go on vacation, the last day I go, oh man, What's wrong, Dad? I don't want to go back. It reminds me. It reminds me of the guy on Sunday morning, and he's still in bed, and his wife says, Come on, honey, you gotta go to church. I don't want to go today. You gotta go to church. Everybody's gonna be looking for you. I'm not going today. Sweetie, you gotta go. I'll make you breakfast. I'm not going. Then she says, Sweetie, you're the pastor. (laughs) You gotta go. You see, that guy needed a Sabbath. But you see, a vacation is not the Sabbath. A vacation is once, and then you have to wait. Maybe we're not going to have a time like this for another year, maybe longer. But the beauty of the Sabbath is that it's going to happen every week. Can you wait one more week? Can you wait one more week? Little girl, this last week came in from Roswell High, the best friend of the little girl who committed suicide two weeks ago. You've probably read about it. This is a 5.10 student. I didn't even know if the scale went that high. And this little girl came in. She says, Kevin, I can't even go back to class. She said, I, I don't know what to do. I had no idea my best friend was troubled enough to want to commit suicide. You see, she doesn't need a vacation. She needs a Sabbath. She needs a full day with God. 
And I challenged her. I said, I want you to take all those students that are grieving right now, and I want you every Saturday to hang with them as a tribute to that little girl and do fun things as if she was there. And give God the glory for all the moments you were with her. And you can be the catalyst to bring these students through. And she stood up with tears in her eyes. She says, I needed a mission. I needed a purpose. I didn't know what to do. You see, God can empower us. But you see, the Sabbath freedom is not right or wrong. You see, most of us in the church will tell you how to do a Sabbath. Write this down. You got to do it this way. There's a one size fits all. Let me let you know, ladies and gentlemen, there's not a one size fits all. You have the freedom from doing it right or wrong. As a matter of fact, I can even tell you there are Sabbath songs and there are Sunday songs. And my daughter is ready to graduate from college this year. Uh, you know, we're from Miami. Some of you don't know that. She introduced me to some music. It's called country music. Do you know that? Country uh, am I saying it right? And it's divine. I love it. So every so often, she sends me a YouTube video of, of, a, of a song. And one of the ones that I love, which is, which is a Sunday song, it's called A Better Man by Little Big Town. You know that song? Better Man by Little, Little Big Town. It goes like this. I might still be in love with you if you were a better man. That's sweet, isn't it? All the men here love that. It's got a great melody. That's a Sunday song. That ain't a Sabbath song, okay? That's what happens. You get here face-to-face with the, the Word of God, and the Word of God says, look, you're not doing it. And Crawford would probably say, listen to me, man. Right? I'm going to get in trouble for that. It'll be a cold day. But, but Sunday is the day when the scriptures look us in the face and, and we go, oh, you're right, God. I'm sorry. But the Sabbath does not do that. The Sabbath takes us away and there's peace and there's this harmony and there's this no strife and there's no fear and there's no more teaching. Uh, and, and she sent me this song. It was by Brett Eldridge called The Long way. And some of you don't know this. I'm going to read some of the lyrics to you. It goes like this. Don't think I've ever seen your kind of pretty wandering around this midnight madhouse city. You got a look that says you got it all together. So if you don't mind, I'd like to know you better. Take me the long way around your town. Were you the queen with the silver crown? I want the secrets you keep the shine underneath of the diamond I think I've just found. Oh, man. If you ever sent those words to your babe, forget about it. That's the Sabbath I'm talking about. And what if, what if, stay with me, what if those were God's words to us and he feels that way about us? Okay, let me tell you. I got a story. You know my story. People come up to me and say, I read your story. I saw your, your thing on 60 Minutes or whatever. And, and I go, okay. They go, I think I know you. I go, really? Okay, bye. They don't know me. They know of me. And I think we, we, we mistake God like that. He knows us. 
But when somebody comes up to me and says, Kevin, I heard about your story. I want to know more. I want to know the other part of your story. I want to go to your town. I want to find out what makes you tick. I want to find out more. You see, the people that love me after they've known me for years are the true friends. Not the people who've read this book. Yeah, I want to applaud. That's good. That's my friends. Don't make fun of them. They're my friend. I love you. That's my true friend. And I love the long way in one of, this, one of the verses, one of the lyrics. I didn't think tonight when I walked in, I'd be falling for somewhere I've never been. Imagine our response to God. You know what? I'm not sure if I ever felt a love like this. Uh, I'm going to quote not a theologian. I'm going to quote a poet right now. His name is Leo Christopher. He's a romance writer. Again, men, you don't know who he is. You have no idea. Some of the women do, though. You want to Google him. He says this, You make me question whether I've ever been loved before. Not that no one has ever loved me, just not like this. Nowhere near how you do. You imagine the heartbeat. Yeah, I've been loved before, but the way, God, you love me makes me feel like I've never been loved before. Leo Christopher was writing this about his babe. And this babe loved him so much. And he was able to pen these poetic words on a typewriter and said, and his his heart just cried out, I've never been loved like this. It's such a sweet moment. What if God has that for us? The cost of not taking a Sabbath is being far less human than we could be. Oh, that's a good one to tweet. I didn't say it originally. Dan Allender did. The cost of not taking a Sabbath. What is the cost? We always talk about it. The cost of not taking the Sabbath is being far less human than we could be. I believe that. It also ushers in the Sabbath feast. The Sabbath feast. Taste and see the Lord is good. You see, I believe food is an integral part of the Sabbath. Why else would God himself say, taste and see that the Lord is good? Those are not two words you would ever use to describe God. Why? Well, they're just weird. I, I don't even think I would say that to God. Can I? I, don't, I can't, I'm not even going to say it. It doesn't, it doesn't come off my, it doesn't make sense. It's why God said at first, taste and see. It, it, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing moment when we feast. Psalm 38, 34, 8. All five senses. The Sabbath was created to experience God in the deepest of levels. Listen to this. The Sabbath is to be experienced with all the senses. The five senses are the ministers of the soul. Oh, don't you love that? The five senses are the ministers of the soul. I think when we experience God with the five senses, I believe we experience him much more fully. We can study him. We can read about him. We can Google him. 
We can listen to messages about him, but until we experience him with all five senses, I believe it's all one dimension. It deepens our experience with God in ways that go far beyond any single way. It also ushers us into what we would call Sabbath praise. Sabbath praise. You see, the holy God who made, blessed this day, and he rested, what oozes out of this passage are these five words. And the last one is this Sabbath praise because when the angels hid their face and they said, holy, holy, holy is the God, Lord God Almighty, they were praising him. And here's what happens. Praise leads to generosity. Generosity is gratitude. Praise is gratitude that leads to generosity. I call it, brace yourself, the Sabbath elixir. Oh, yeah. Praise is gratitude that leads to generosity, the Sabbath elixir. Imagine God saying, next Saturday, Adam and Eve, we're going all the way up there on that ridge. And there's an amazing river that flows down. And we're going to try some amazing fruit. You've probably never tried it yet. I want to watch your face as you try it. And he introduces them to, uh, to the Pinot Noir grape. And he says, look, easy does it on that one. We got a long way down. And we have this amazing, and, 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 and here's what happens. When we are busy, and we, we, we wear our busyness like a, like a badge of honor, don't we? How about in the lobby? How you been? I've been busy. <laughs> Me too. Yep. Busy. It's disgusting. I love to tell you how busy I am. Hey, Kevin, tell me how busy. Okay, let me tell you. I was in prison last week, which is not a lie. I really was there. Vernal Law, did you hear? That band was amazing. Last week, I was with them in prison. You imagine the Vernal Law band ushering in this worship in Alberts prison. They got 700, 800 prisoners, uh, murderers. And by the time we were done, we renamed the prison from Alberts Prison to Alberts Church because it was a prison break. Prisoners came to know Jesus. It was amazing. And, and, and there's, there's this one, I have to tell you this, there's one guy who, who said, I'm going to get away. He was out in the yard, we're telling our story. So afterwards, he started to go away and he had, the, he had the little Muslim cap on. And so I made a beeline to him, put my arm around him. I said, what's your name? He says, it's... Uh, Antonio. I said, Antonio, great name. I love that. I said, so what do you think about how God moved today? He said, well, I'm Muslim. I said, really? Like I didn't know, right? <clears throat> I said, really? And I said, Joe, you must be very disciplined. He said, yeah, I work out. I don't eat you know, this meat. I don't do this. I, I'm like, wow, you're so disciplined. I love that. I said, you know, you're taking care of the body that God gave you. I said, you know, I'm a Jewish kid. I found out. And if you're from Abraham, from Ishmael, I mean, this is pretty cool. And I said, this, do you want a family? He said, that's why I became Muslim, because I have a family now. And I said, I thought I had a family 30 years ago when I joined the mob. And you know what they did? They turned me in. He said, I heard the story. And I said, you know who's not going to turn me in? You know who's not going to turn their back on me? There's only one family that won't. It's a family of Jesus. And this is what happens. It's a crazy thing. He said, I can't accept Jesus. And I said, well, look over your shoulder. See, those guys are not looking at you right now. 
I said, you want a family? This family won't kick you out. I said, would you like to pray right now? And he said, I want to accept Jesus. It's the first time on American soil I led a Muslim to Jesus. And this is a little Jewish boy. That's the power of the cross. The cross has the final say. The cross has the final say. I love that song. And this is true. <laughs> this, that's tr- he said to me, he's 18 years old. He has three children. His oldest child is three years old. It's a little girl. And I said, this is what I want you to do. You're going to go home and tell your family when you get out of here. You're going to tell them you found Jesus in jail. And he said, well, my family has turned their back on me. And I said, do you see, look across the, the yard. And in a sea of khaki, there was this one pink little stick and far away. It was my daughter. And I said, that's my daughter. And you know, years ago, I was worried about the same thing you're worried about. I said, would this little girl ever respect her dad? And I said, that little girl now thinks her dad is her hero. Because the cross has the final word. And when the cross has the final word, it will change your life forever. I said, go back and you tell your little girl that you found Jesus and make sure she accepts Jesus. And someday she'll say, my daddy is my hero. That's the power of the cross. That's the power of the Sabbath. Because let me tell you, how many times I've been so busy, I haven't been able to be grateful enough. I've been moving through life so fast that I don't even have time for God. And as my cadence changes, amazing things can happen. And that Sabbath praise, that generosity leads to great gratitude that opens the heart not only to wonder, but to the freedom of the Sabbath. Well, I know what you're thinking at this point. I'd love to be able to do all of this. Where do I start? Let me give you a few practical steps. Pick a day. Pick any day you want. You see, if I hadn't realized that I could use Saturday as my Sabbath, I would still be doing a condensed version of the Sabbath. And I wouldn't have the joy. I wouldn't have the praise. I wouldn't have the generosity. Because I'm moving life through life too fast. So pick a day. I challenge you to take a day and try it. Test it out. Um, there is a... Um, there's a, there's a coffee out there. I don't know if you know about it. It's called Brain Buzz. You take eight ounces of coffee. You put two tablespoons of Kerrygold butter in it. And you put a tablespoon of MCT oil. You might say, what is that? What does that have to do with the Sabbath? They said, don't try it all at one time. It, it may be too much for you. Start by little bits and then work up. And it's an amazing cup of coffee. Why do I tell you about that cup of coffee? Because sometimes we have to do that with the Sabbath. Take eight hours, take six hours, test it out. Don't say, I can't do this. Try it. And the second thing I want you to do is, I want practically speaking, the, the queen of the Sabbath would light candles. And maybe that could be the woman of the house. And if there's more than one woman in your house, man, maybe each of the daughters could light the candles, two candles that burn for 24 hours to remind you that Jesus is the light. And make a meal together the night before together. I love this. I love when a man makes a meal with his wife. 
um, and say he can't boil water. And imagine the next day and the wife says, you boiled the water, it was great, 212 degrees, it was great, you did a great job, way to go. Uh, and you might say, and then you go, wow, well, no, you did a great job. No, 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 you did a great job. And all of a sudden you have a Sabbath praise fest going on. And the kids are going, oh my goodness, I think they're in love. I don't know what happened. It's, it's, it's crazy, it's all over a meal. How do you have no strife, all freedom? Talk about some texts, some quotes, some poems that have moved you. I, I love this one. Tom Hanks says, everyone is welcome at this table. <laughs> Tom Hanks, wow, great theologian. <laughs> Quoting him at Fellowship Bible Church. But you know what? When you can say that everyone's welcome around this table, all of a sudden things change. The last thing I want to tell you. Uh, one of my friends says, I take a technology break on the Sabbath. I said, whoa, easy, easy does it. That's, that's going overboard. That's legalistic. We're not about legalism. I got to have my phone with me. As a matter of fact, I think my watch is buzzing right now. Do you mind if I get it? And my, the millennials, my daughter told me the millennials do this when they go out to eat. Sometimes they put all their phones and they stack them up. And the first one that grabs their phone pays for the whole meal. Wow, millennials, right? And we're always throwing them under the bus. I like that. I'm going to try that. But on the Sabbath, what if we could do that? Because when I can unplug and I can walk with God, I can experience that cold to mama to calm moment where he can take my breath away. And I can realize for the first time maybe that week that I've never been loved so much. Oh. I wish that for you. But the problem is this, ladies and gentlemen. You will never feel it or experience this or taste and see that God is good unless you know Jesus as your Savior. Today is that day. Just like that man I put my arm around in the prison yard last Saturday. One of the best Sabbaths of my life. Today's that day for you. If you're here today and you've never said, Lord, I accept you fully as my Savior. Today's that day. I want you to say these words, Lord, I, I know I've messed up. I need a Savior. There might be one here. I want to talk to you afterwards. But the rest of us who know Jesus as our Savior, we're at this Sabbath conundrum. I want to challenge you today to take a step towards the healthiness of the Sabbath. Will you pray with me? Oh, dear Lord. Thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for creating the Sabbath, Lord, not to take something from us, but because you want something for us. Thank you for doing it in the garden, Lord, before there was any sin and before there was any rules. It was just, it was just fun. It was enjoying you, not only in the cool breeze of the evening, but once a week, Lord, I shudder to think how you took the breath away of Adam and Eve. And I, I Lord, I, I want that. I want that so bad because uh, sometimes my breath does not get taken away because we're on this treadmill, on this hamster wheel. So, Lord, will you help us restore our souls as we live in the shadow of death? 
Will you draw us nearer to you, Lord? Will you take away the stuff in our life, Lord, that just is causing us, Lord, to, to be so busy? And Lord, I pray for my brothers or sisters here that say, I want to experience that, but I've never accepted Jesus. Lord, may they right now, in the quietness of their hearts, say, I accept you, Jesus. Lord, a family that will never reject them. A family, Lord, your family. They have eternal security through you. Oh, Lord, I pray they'd take a moment right now and do that. Oh, Lord, thank you for Fellowship Bible Church, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for bringing in people who are broken, people who are busy, people who need each other to spur them on so that we might experience the delights of you. And I pray this and I thank you in advance for what you're gonna do in this body. Lord, may our Sabbaths not be rules and regulations. May they be so precious that people will be fools not to wanna join in. And I pray this in your name, Jesus, amen.